Hey, everybody. Good morning. This is Heidi St. John. Today is Thursday, January 21st. We're still here, you guys. And guess what? God isn't finished yet. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. I'm so glad you guys are joining me today at my little corner of the internet. It's good to encourage each other, isn't it? I think it's good. Uh, We've been, you know, doing a lot of praise and worship music at our house and just hanging out and being thankful that God has us here for such a time as this. And he has you here for such a time as this. I mean, right here, right now, you guys are in the right place at the right time. And I just want to encourage you, stay in the word. Stay on your face before the Lord. If there's one thing we're learning in the middle of the Rona and everything else is that uh, we have got to be dependent on the Lord, not dependent on the government, not dependent on any system of education or politician or any of those things, but dependent on the Lord. I keep thinking of that pillar of fire, you know, that led the Israelites by night and the cloud by day. And God is doing that right now. He is leading his people. And uh, I, frankly, am encouraged by that. Uh, Before I move on today, I want to give a couple of shout outs to some people who have been donating to our ministry. Thank you guys so much. Dale from Massachusetts. Thank you very much. And Lagaya, is that how you say your name, sweet girl? From Fayetteville, North Carolina, who said, I've been a podcast listener for a couple of years and appreciate your encouragement. We appreciate you guys uh, giving to this ministry and encouraging us that way. If you're interested in donating to keep this ministry uh, growing and moving forward, we would appreciate that. I will link back to how you can do that in the show notes today. And also you can reach out to us uh, via snail mail. You guys know I love to get your cards and letters in the mail. We read every single one of those, every one of them. So thank you for that. If you guys want to reach out to us, I will give the address at the end of the show today. All right, continuing today, kind of the theme that we've had for the whole week and just talk, we talked about Esther, right? We've talked about how God uh, is in control. This is a Haman moment for our nation, but God is still in control. Someone wrote to me uh, yesterday and she said, you know, remember Heidi, Haman went to two banquets, Like he was sitting pretty until God stepped in. That is very true. God is in control. And uh, we've been talking about this, you know, yesterday, this moment. Now is our moment for Esther, for an Esther-like faith. And then uh, we talked about accepting the things that we can't change. And I said to you guys yesterday, you know what? A lot of us heartbroken right now. But as Christians, we're not without hope. We can walk in victory even when we feel defeated. Why? Because we know that God isn't finished yet. He's not even remotely done. God's not done. And I was reading in Philippians 1. I thought I would read this to you guys today. You need some encouragement from the book of Philippians. Philippians is always encouraging. In fact, you could just stop what you're doing and just read Philippians today. But here's uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, Paul and Timothy. And this is what it says to God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I was thinking about that today to all God's holy people in Philadelphia, to all God's holy people in Vancouver, Washington, in Battleground, Washington, in Lee Summit, Missouri, New York City, Seattle, all of y'all, Texas, Louisiana, God's still on the throne, grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. 
And in all my prayers for all of you, I will always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He'll carry it on to what? To completion. God's doing something. And guess what, you guys? He's not finished. This is good news because as I look around me, I could be very easily discouraged. I'm, I look at the condition of the church. I watched a, a well-known uh, preacher the other day post his, you know, his certificate of vaccination. And I just thought, why are we virtue signaling like this? Like, when have we ever done this in the history of the world? It's just the weirdest thing. And then I had to look at the condition of my own life. And you guys, if this was the end of the story, I'd be pretty discouraged. But guess what? It's not. It's not the end. God's working. He's working. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi to help them in their Christian walk and to encourage them in times of trouble. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Philippi, this is like context in the Bible is everything, right? Philippi was a Roman colony that was located in the northeast corner of the place that we now call uh, Greece right? And it was originally founded by Philip of of Macedon in about the fourth century BC. And he named it after, guess what? Himself, Philip named it Philippi. Philip was the father of Alexander the Great. So not a big city, but it was a very important trade route. And it was the main highway between Rome and the Eastern Empire. And the Philippians were mostly Gentiles. So there weren't even enough Jews there to start a a synagogue. And all you needed for that was 10 Jewish men. So think about this, the church in in Philippi, mostly Gentile and mostly pagan. Moment of silence for the United States of America and Europe. Mm -hmm. So there were a number of pagan cults represented in the dominant religion there. And one of them was called the imperial cult. And this was worship of the emperor. We talked about this at MomStar International. This was a thing in Bible times, particularly when the New Testament was written. Emperor worship was basically part of the daily life of the people in that time. And frankly, in the end times, you're also going to see something similar to emperor worship when uh, when the beast arrives on the scene during the tribulation, right? Uh, Satan wants your worship. And that's the truth. That's what he's after. This is what we've learned in the book of Revelation. And uh, in in Paul's time, really, the Romans were no different. The primary obligation of a Roman of emperor worship was to basically say, uh, hail emperor, you are the savior and the king, right? And so here's the apostle Paul. He goes, oh, I know, I'll found a church at Philippi in the middle of all this. So he didn't have the Rona, but he definitely had the uh, the worship of the emperor, and he was up against a lot there. So he goes uh, on his second missionary journey about 51 AD, and the book of Acts tells us that he went there in response to a vision. And the church of Philippi then became the very first church planted in Europe. And so when Paul writes this letter, uh, he's in prison, probably in Rome, and the church in Philippi is about 10 years old, but still really young in the Lord. And so Paul writes, you know, Paul writes to encourage him. He's like, I thank God for you guys. I remember, do you guys have things to be thankful for today? Yes, you do. What has God done in your life? That you can say, Lord, I, I, I'm remembering your faithfulness right now. And I just want to say, thank you. Thank you. The first thing that Paul said to the church in Philippi was that, hey, we're all in this together. 
<laughs> I don't actually like that statement anymore because they've so misused it during the Rona. But guess what? Completely true for the kingdom of God. We are partners in the gospel together. And so if you're listening to this and you're saved, guess what? You and I are partners. We're partners in the gospel. And so Paul says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to the saints of, of uh, to the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. We are in this thing together. And Paul says, you know, he's addressing this letter to the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. So who were the saints? Well, according to Acts 16, people like Lydia. Remember, we studied her last month. She's had kind of a, a high status, right? She had a lot of money. She was a, a merchant of linen, fine linen. So you had the Philippian jailer and his family who would have been much lower status. And then you had people from the very lowest ranks of society, like the slave girl uh, that Paul cast a demon out of. There were Gentiles, people who formerly worshipped the Jewish God, and there were former pagans. And so the church had kind of a varied background. Moment of silence for the church in the U.S. of A. and Europe and around the world. Guess what brings us together? The gospel does it. The gospel is the great unifier. And sadly, we're not seeing that in the church right now because we're focused on something called the social gospel, the gospel of social justice. But the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, brings us together. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Was Paul saying that there's no such thing as male and female? No, he's saying, how about we stop seeing each other in factions and we start seeing each other as co-laborers in Christ, whose only goal in life, our main mission in life, is to uh, advance the message of the gospel. I think mean, it's kind of amazing. The Bible says that we are all doing this. Uh, I noticed that Paul said, hey, I'm talking to you, Saint. Now, I actually like the name Saint, given that my name now is Saint John. I was so happy when I got to trade in my maiden name for Saint John. Such a cool name. I actually didn't have a bad maiden name either. My family is Irish. <laughs> a lot of us are Irish. And uh, my maiden name was very Irish. But when he talks about a saint here, he's not talking about a super spiritual person. The Bible says that we're all saints. A believer is a saint. So when you hear, you know, um, the Dr. Mitchell from Multnomah School of Bible, a long time ago, I went to Multnomah School of Bible. He used to sing a song for us. Cheer up, you saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make you doubt. He was Irish too. Remember, Jesus never fails. So why not trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you worried it all tomorrow morning. The Bible says we're all saints. Cheer up, you saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. So when you hear uh, Paul talk about saints in the Bible, he's talking to you. And he's saying that we are leaders. We're partners together in this, in this incredible opportunity that we have right now to advance the gospel. And God, who began a good work in you, is going to finish it. God isn't finished until God is finished. And you guys, he's not finished yet. He's not finished. And so hang in there. When I read God's word, you guys, my heart just wants to leap out of my chest because I know that I know that I know that God isn't finished yet. He's not finished with me. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with this nation. He's not finished with Donald Trump. He's not finished with Jay Inslee. Praise the Lord. And what do we find in the middle of that? We find joy. This is what Paul said in verse four. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. 
Paul wasn't only thankful for the Philippians, he was filled with joy. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. It is not dependent on your circumstances. Joy is the unmistakable sign of the presence of God at work in your life. That's why you can walk into the grocery store with a mask off, smile at the people you know, and be filled with joy. It's the Holy Spirit in you. That's amazing. Paul said, I, he, he said to the Philippians, I thank God every time I remember you. Every time. He said, thank you. You guys are partners. You're because of your partnership in the gospel until now. That word partnership, by the way, is the Greek word koinonia. And it speaks of a close fellowship and a sharing. When I was in high school, I went to a Christian school and we had a group called koinonia. And it meant to be this, this close group, this fellowship, this sharing, this coming together. That is God's heart for you. And you know what? God is going to finish the good work that he started. Being confident of this, you began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, until the day that Jesus comes again. So we have a work to do, you guys. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't stop fighting. God has good work for you to do. He wants you off the bench and onto the battlefield. This is God's heart. And how does he complete his work in you, in you? It's this process of sanctification, right? It means to be set apart for God's purposes, to grow in holiness. And holiness meaning you, you live a set apart life. Our lives shouldn't look like the lives of people who don't know Jesus. They should look different. Sanctification has to do with what God is doing right now in you and in me. God is continuing the work that he began in you. Since you were justified, that word justification that you read about in the Bible, it means that God has declared you righteous because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So justification having to do with the past then, right? And then God begins this good work in you and that continues through the process of sanctification. And then finally you get to glorification. And that means that to be perfected in holiness, removed from the power and presence of sin. And that will happen at one point in the future. When Christ returns, the dead in Christ are going to be raised and those believers who are still living are going to be transformed and we are going to be glorified in God's presence. Removed from the power of sin and the presence that sin has in our lives. You guys, we have a lot to look forward to. God isn't finished yet. I want you guys to be encouraged. Uh, before I leave today, I want to answer some questions. I, I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to get to them every day and then I forget. So I'm going to run into a couple of them uh, with you today. And also, if you guys want to reach out to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. That's how you do it. All right. This one came from a listener in Central Virginia. She said, thank you for all you do to encourage, inspire, and inspire us to get off the bench. So thank you. I'm happy that you guys are getting off the bench. Yay. Run for office. Do it. You can do it. Well, I mean, unless you got a bunch of kids at home, that's probably not what God wants you to do right now. Uh, she said, I feel called to read through the book of Joshua with my kids, but how? Do I just read it and discuss how much per day? I'm not a Bible scholar, but I'm continuously studying the Bible. Yay for Mom Strong International. I know there isn't a right way. I'm just looking for a little guidance. So I love, love, love this question. And let me tell you one of the very best things on absolutely one of the very best things that ever happened to me was to get a children's Bible at a like a secondhand store at a thrift store and I read that bible with my kids because it was in more in story format and I felt like maybe that's when they would um engage with me a little bit better so we would sit down every day at the beginning of the day and we would just read a little bit you guys 15 minutes just read it like if if it might be easier to read especially if you've got little ones read out of a children's bible those bible stories stick with your kids 
And it doesn't mean that you're dumbing down the Bible, all right? It means that you're making it palatable, something that your kids can uh, can absorb. If your kids are older, a little bit older, then just open up your Bible and start reading. Just start going through the book of Joshua and then, yeah, just discuss it. I actually went to Walmart a long, long time ago, years and years and years ago now. And I got all my kids those... Um, you know, those spiral bound notebooks that are like 25 cents each. I got my kids each different colors because otherwise they fight, right? Got them different colors. And I just had them write down what they were learning. And you guys, it was such a precious time. It makes me feel sort of melancholy when I think about it because I wouldn't mind going back and doing that again. Life seems simpler. So I would say 15 minutes every day, 15, 20 minutes, read and discuss, read and discuss. And you know what, sweet mama, you are a Bible scholar. That makes you guess what? A Bible scholar. I love that you're part of Mom Strong International. I love that you're going to do this with your kids. So thanks for writing that in. Um, Alyssa was asking from Cumberland, Rhode Island. Hey, Alyssa, what are your children's book suggestions? So we are working on something really cool right now called Heidi's Bookshelf. And it's not up yet, but it's going to be up really soon. And we are going to have all kinds of recommendations for you there. And you can also go to my Amazon page for book suggestions. Uh, You know, if you guys can help it, stop shopping at Amazon, start going to independent booksellers. But that is exactly what I'm going to recommend that you do. Check out that list. I love reading biographies to my kids. We've been reading out loud to our kids forever and ever. Amen. And uh, I should take a picture maybe of my own personal bookshelf sometime, all the kids' books, and send it to you. I think you guys might be encouraged. So from Richland, Washington, dear Heidi, I started listening to your podcast and first listened to you speak in Kennewick, Washington. Love me some Kennewick. The weather is so pretty over there. Your encouragement every day is something I look forward to. You often speak of sex and our role of becoming that girl. But what if the roles are reversed and it's the wife who craves intimacy and the husband seems distant and doesn't seem interested? As a busy homeschool mom of four, I crave his touch and sex to relax and reconnect, but he doesn't open up and he doesn't understand how I feel. How can you help me turn up the intimacy and rekindle our love life? So I guess what I would say, the first thing I would do is, have you had an honest conversation with your husband about this? And the reason I say that is because more often than not in the, in the years of marriage that Jay and I have struggled through this and, you know, we've had various seasons of our marriage where this has been more of a struggle than others. Um, Those conversations are very, very important. And there's something about that emotional intimacy and opening up. It might be that your husband needs to feel more of that emotional connection with you. And I think sometimes, I mean, we often talk, it's a very sort of in generic terms, right? It's always the men who want sex and the women who are, you know, have a headache or whatever, but those are very generic terms. And we, we box people in that way. And most often what I find is happening, there's usually some sort of an emotional issue that needs to be addressed. Sometimes there's a sin issue that needs to be addressed, but whatever it is, can I just encourage you right now? The adversary loves it when we hang out in the dark. When we don't talk about these things, when we end up isolated or not um, in good communication or in good fellowship with other women around, talk to some people around you. You guys have friends. This is so hard in in the middle of COVID, but um, I can tell you right now as a busy homeschool mom myself, I totally understand what you're saying. And more often than not, when my husband and I were in seasons like this, we needed to get away. We needed to be alone for a couple of days. We needed to have dinner together. We needed to enjoy each other, to remember the friendship, to remember all the things that the pressures of this world can sometimes take away. And then I would just say, really be praying. And I will be praying for you because uh, your marriage is the most important earthly relationship that God will ever give you. 
and it's your marriage that sets up that foundation for your own children. It's, it's your, your marriage should be a respite. And you guys have heard me talk about sex a hundred million times here at the podcast. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. And it's not because, you know, my husband and I had this all dialed in. It's because we didn't. And it's because we have realized, especially me over the course of our 33 years that this is precious and it's worth protecting and it's worth investing in. So I'm going to pray for you, sweet mama, that you get an opportunity to really establish those open lines of communication with your husband, set time aside for nurturing that part of your relationship. But it's more than just the bedroom, right? It's, um, it's what's happening in the home during the day. It's what's going on at work. All of these things play into either a healthy sex life or not healthy sex life. So just don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, that's the main thing I want to say to you. And uh, I will be praying for you and find some women around there that you can talk to. Maybe they'll take your kids for a couple of days and you can hang out just with your husband alone. I think that friendship is key. Getting out and doing things together. This is part of the reason why these lockdowns are so ridiculous. Um, you know, Governor Inslee up there in his mansion doesn't have any idea how he's affecting the lives of the people around him by his uh, reckless really decisions. So um, hang in there. God has more for you. And and uh, I'm not kidding about the sin issue either. I would be having a very serious conversation with your husband. You know, once, you, once you've gone down the avenue of just really leaning into the friendship and reminding him how much you love him, men need to be respected like women need to be loved. If your husband doesn't feel like you respect him, the intimacy is going to suffer. And so talking, you know, ask the Lord, Lord, is there any sin issue in my life that's keeping me from connecting with my husband? Is there anything, any sin in our marriage, even a sin that you don't know about? Ask the Lord to bring that to your mind and God will help you do it. All right. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity for you to have that conversation with your husband. Next question comes from Jess in Michigan. Heidi, I have three children ages four, two, and nine months. Wow, mama, you've got your hands full. I've got some questions regarding masks. Thankfully, our church doesn't enforce them, though some people choose to wear them. I've explained to my two and four-year-olds that we don't wear them because it's not healthy for our bodies and we're not afraid of the virus. But now on every page of my daughter's Highlights magazine, they are covering the people's and animals' faces with masks. My husband and I have unsubscribed from the magazine, and we've uh, told her that we can't get the magazine because it has pictures of the masks. How much should I explain to my children about why masks are bad? All right, so uh, th- this is something I think is important for, for, you know, your kids are very, very young, four, two, and nine. I don't really think you need to explain much. They just need, at this point, they're learning obedience. That's really it. A four, a two, a four and a two-year-old, nine-month-old doesn't count at all. So your two and your four-year-old, they're learning obedience. They just trust you. And you don't need to tell her why you're not getting the magazine anymore. I promise you, you know, if she asks, you you can just say, oh, you know what? We decided we're going to do something different. Uh, there's Nature Friend Magazine. I mean, it goes wonderful magazines. Focus on the Family has great magazines for kids. Uh, Highlights Magazine has been uh, very political for a long time. I used to love it when I was a kid. And we got it for our kids until I realized, oh my goodness, this these guys um, are a little wonkadoo. And we just quit. And so I would say when your kids are that little, you don't need to explain very much to them. They need to learn to trust you and obey you. And that would be the, that would kind of be what I would uh, focus on at this point. Next question. She said, I was listening to your podcast on the December 22nd issue when you answered a question asking if you thought the Rona vaccine would be the mark of the beast. You said you disagreed because people will know when they are receiving the mark. Do you think that the mask could be the mark of the beast? Okay. So no, again, here's how you know that something will be the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast 
will be something that you take that says, I agree with the agenda of the beast, right? The agenda, the antichrist agenda, you would be agreeing to it. You'd be walking in. And the Bible says this is going to happen and people are going to love him and they're going to want to take his mark. It says, I am part of this mass agenda. And the Bible warns over and over and over again, you won't be accidentally tricked into it. Now, I think, you know, you're saying that it seems like it's a little bit of a setup because we are unable to to go grocery shopping with that one. We can't get um, groceries, et cetera, without a mask on. And Revelation does talk about being unable to buy or sell without the mark. And yes, that seems to be true of the mask, but they're not the same thing. The mask is giving us a really good taste of what that's going to look like. But the mask is not the mark of the beast. The Rona vaccine is not the mark of the beast. You'll know the mark of the beast. And by the way, I don't think Christians are going to be here for it because we're out of here by that point. I believe we will have been raptured out of here. But you won't just get a, a mark. You will make an agreement. You will come into agreement with an agenda. And that will be the mark of the beast. All right. Those are great questions. Jess, thanks for writing in. All right. One last question from Jeanette in Michigan. I'm getting these a lot. What books would you recommend for teaching children Revelation? If you guys did not download the Revelation study at MomStrong International, there is a children's component to that. Maybe I haven't explained that very well. I feel like I did, but maybe I didn't. So check that out. MomStrong International, there's a component in that called KidStrong. Starting in February, we're going to be doing another adding to the study, um, a study guide for young adults. So teenagers, young adults, uh, you guys are going to love it. So that's the study in Titus that releases February 1st. So the first Monday in February, that is going to release the study in the book of Titus. I am calling it Walk This Way how to live a rapture ready life. I hope this has been an encouragement to you guys. We love you so much. If you want to reach out to us via snail mail, it's my favorite way to get a letter. Uh, you can do that by writing to me, Heidi St. John, care of Firmly Planted Family, 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Thanks for listening today, everybody. I hope you guys have been encouraged. Tune in tomorrow. We have a very special guest on the show who will encourage you and build you up in your strength in the Lord. Keep walking with him, you guys. Love your families well. Love your spouse well. Cherish what God has given you and rejoice because God is still at work. We love you guys. I'll see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.